Good morning. A few years ago, um, when I took over leading here, uh, we were beginning a transition. And uh, with any new leader in a new church or new organisation, whatever it happens to be, obviously there's things that change. There's new vision and new approaches. And it takes time for that to kind of drill deep. Not everyone gets on board. And uh, at the time, as it happens, uh, I would occasionally have someone ask me if they could meet up for coffee. And, um, and I would make the time uh, in an effort just to have some healthy dialogue and, and maybe bring some understanding. Well, that didn't always work. Um, one of those times when it didn't quite work is I had someone uh, wanted me for coffee and we sat over the coffee table and um, they'd said to me that they felt that we, meaning me, but we, uh, talked too much about money. And now, by the way, we only talk in a normal one hour live experience for about one or two minutes, but anyway, um, that's too much for them. And I said, well, too much based on what? And uh, they said, well, too much based on, I just don't like it. And I said, well, I need to let you know that we don't make key leadership decisions based on what you do and don't like. We make key leadership decisions based on what God has to say about things. And I said, did you know that God has a lot to say about money and stuff? And in fact, Jesus talked more about money and stuff than He did about faith, prayer, heaven and hell combined. And they said to me, well, I don't believe that. And I said, well, if only there was a written account somewhere and we could read what Jesus had to say. I, I didn't say that. I, what I said is, I said, well, you can, you can get up in the morning and believe the sun isn't shining, but if it's shining, it's shining. It's, it's there, it's written, we can see it for ourselves. And the problem is, isn't about arm wrestling over a coffee table about who's right and who's wrong. The problem is, is we can go through life as followers of Jesus and not actually be exposed to some of the key principles that God has to teach about money and finances. And if we don't know what God has to say about money and finances and stuff, where are we getting our influences from? Where are we making our decisions from? What, what is our true north? And so we're gonna take these next four weeks, starting today, launching a new series called Making Change. And each of these four weeks, I'm gonna teach one of the biggest rocks. There's four big rocks we're gonna teach on. And I think these are arguably the four biggest rocks in terms of big subject, uh, subjects that God talks about when He talks about money and stuff. Today we're launching a message called Less Is More. Next week, we're gonna talk about stress is bad. When it comes to financial debt and pressure, stress is bad. The week three, we're gonna talk about giving is good. See, if we only teach about giving, we're missing that. No, God, He's not monothematic when it comes to teaching and what He has to say about money and stuff. He has a lot to say about money and stuff. And in week four, we're gonna talk about tomorrow matters. Too many people living paycheck to paycheck, day to day, thinking only of one week at a time and we need to start thinking generationally. And I, I'm gonna say what may on the surface appear like a bold claim, but if you and I get these principles, get a grasp and not just hear and not just understand, but put into practice what God has to say about money and stuff, it will change your life 
It will change your family's life. It will change the generations to follow in your lineage. And it will actually change the lives of the people that God's called us to reach and invest into in the Perth metro area and globally. Less is more. Just the very saying is countercultural. We live in a Western society where when it comes to money and stuff, it's simply assumed that more is more. Now, there's a lot of areas in life where more is better, more is more. More love is better. Some love is good, more love is better. Some compassion is good, more compassion is better. Some generosity is good, more generosity is better. But the same thinking is just applied to money and stuff as if it's, as if it's just the only approach. Not, not, not just the right approach, but the only approach that when it comes to money and stuff, more is better. And I wanna put it to you today and teach around the idea that when it comes to money and stuff, more is not always better. Let me start by challenging you with a question. Do you ever find yourself stopping and thinking what really matters? You know, we're on the treadmill of life. The days come and go, the weeks pass, the months pass, just to pause and say, what really matters? You know, people that ask this question is people diagnosed with terminal illnesses. They ask this question. And I don't say that to be insensitive because I know some of you have had some family experiences in that. But, but let's just say hypothetically, you were diagnosed with three months to live. And when you got that news, I expect that you would find yourself automatically asking the question, what really matters? And I wonder if you would say to yourself, what really matters is I'm gonna work more overtime so I can trade up to a more expensive car. I've only got three months to do it. I wonder if you'd ask yourself, man, I really need to upgrade from my fabric sofa to a leather sofa and I've only got three months to get that thing sorted. I wonder if you would say what really matters is the new kitchen countertops in my kitchen and man, I'm gonna enjoy those for the next 90 days. And whilst none of those things are evil and inherently wrong or inherently bad, I wonder if they're the most important things in our lives. And I wonder if you or I were diagnosed with with three months to live, whether they'd make the top of the list of stuff that really matters. Or I wonder, and I jolly well hope, (laughs) that what we would put up the top of our list are things like our relationship with God, are things like our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our kids and our friends. I wonder if those things would make the top of the list and I hope that they would. If you uh, pop open your Elevate app, one of the guys we're gonna uh, get a lot of wisdom from over these four weeks is Jesus. Another guy we're gonna get a lot of wisdom from over these four weeks is a guy named Solomon, who's often credited as the wisest person who ever lived except for Jesus. And uh, he wrote um, what we now call the book of Proverbs. And I strongly recommend you read that regularly. And we're gonna be dropping some of his Proverbs over these four weeks. One of the other books that he wrote, or a book that we now call is the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's something that he said when it comes to the accumulation of money and possessions. He said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil 
and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with contentment than two handfuls with stress and endless financial pressure. Better one handful with a peace in your soul than two handfuls because you're working so much that you never get to spend time with your kids. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. When it comes to stuff, more is not always better. And in fact, if we live purely marching to the beat of the Western culture drum that we live in that says more is more, we will experience less tranquility, more toil, more stress, less contentment. We'll start confusing needs and wants. Things that are wants, we start to put them in the needs list, but again, they're not necessarily evil, but don't misunderstand. There's a difference between needs and wants. Take a quick trip to a developing country and and you get to recalibrate that. There's a huge difference between needs and wants. So what I wanna do today is I wanna just drop three simple, well, they're simple to hear, (laughs) Three simple to hear, but not always quite so simple to do (laughs) principles that will, if you apply them, if, it's homework, you will experience more tranquility and less toil and less chasing after the wind start with this one. I dare you to cut back. I dare you to cut back. I encourage you to cut back. I challenge you to cut back. The reason I say I dare you to cut back because this is very countercultural. And if you take some of these principles on, you'll soon find yourself swimming upstream in Western culture. Cut back. I gave some full disclosure a few weeks ago, confessed that about this time last year, Nine Life took over our life. And um, we now find ourselves watching the myriad of treasures that Nine Life drop for free uh, onto our television screen. And one of such treasures is the show House Hunters. In fact, it was the show House Hunters that, yeah, it was the show House Hunters that caused Louis' first Nine Life sleepless night. And, And the format's the same for all of the House Hunters show. You've got a real estate agent, they sit down with a couple and they ask the couple the question, you know, what what are you looking for? That couple's living in some particular situation at the moment and they wanna wanna upgrade, relocate and upgrade. And so the the realtor says, you know, what are you looking for? And and so let's suppose as they ask the question, the, the wife answers first. She almost always says that I'm looking for more closet space and I'm looking for, I've got built-ins, but uh, I want walk-ins. And in fact, some of them say, I've got walk-ins, but I won't walk arounds. Um, and, uh, and they'll talk about how many shoes they've got and how many outfits they've got and how they can't fit them in and how they need more closet space to fit them in. And then the realtor will ask the dude and the dude will say, grunt, grunt, um, I, need, I need a garage, N- not for my cars, but for my jet ski and my motorbike and my man toys. And, uh, but I also need a man cave 
as well as my man uh, garage. And by the way, I'd also like a basement and the basement needs to have a full kitchen and a full bathroom and also more storage for my other stuff. Um, and, uh, and the realtor will almost always say, well, you know, I'm not really sure you're gonna be able to get all of that, but we'll see how we go. And on goes the show. Contrast that, the same company that produces House Hunters has a spin-off program called Tiny House Hunters. And, uh, and it's fair to say that this is very much the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to house hunting. And the tiny house hunters, they'll, be asked, they'll ask the same question. The realtor sits down with them. What are you looking for in a tiny house? <laughs> Fascinating that, um, that often they'll, they'll give one of the same answers. They'll say, we're looking for storage. But, but they're not looking for more storage. They're looking for clever storage. Um, I was watching one episode last Saturday and uh, they were showing this couple through this tiny house. Um, and, uh, and when I say showing them through, you just stand and you just point because it's only a few metres in each direction. So let's say showing them through, just pointing at stuff. And the, and the realtor said, they're standing in the kitchen. The realtor said, I'll just look, step back a second and, uh, and lifted a, a, little, uh, a little latch um, in front of the, the kitchen bench and there was, there was some inlaid storage about the size of three shoeboxes. And the woman went, oh, wow, that's so much storage. <laughs> and she really meant that. When you helicopter up, if you watch these shows, or let me, let me just walk you through the process. When you helicopter up, you'll discover that the couple's looking for the new bigger house and the couples looking for the tiny house, they've actually both asked themselves the very same question. And the question they ask before they go house hunting or tiny house hunting is the simple question, how much stuff do we really need? But based on their perspectives, they come to two very different answers to that question and they go about finding their house. And so the house hunters say, what's your budget? And they'll almost say, always it's just the way the show's produced between 300,000 and 700,000, depending on who and where and, and so on. And the tiny house hunters, well, what's your budget? And they'll say, no, between 35 and 50,000. And occasionally a realtor will show them a, a tiny house that's gonna cost them $60,000 and they lose their minds. <laughs> it's brilliant. But if we're not careful, because of the Western culture we live in, we will run the risk of only thinking there's one answer to the question, how much stuff do we really need? We'll run the risk of thinking the only answer to that is more. And we'll be like the house hunters. This is a metaphor, by the way, although we live in a tiny house, not quite that tiny, but tiny. Cut back. Jesus warned us 2,000 years ago, long before Nine Life first started showing these tremendous television programs. And He warned us. He said, watch out, exclamation mark. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You need to understand. You need to remember. You need to be clear. You need to get this, that life does not consist in an abundance of 
possessions. So consume, consume, consume. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. I wanna put it to you that when it comes to stuff that is not the primary message coming out of God's Word, cut back. The close cousin of cut back is clear out. Now, all the minimalists go, woohoo! And all the rest of you go, I don't think so. Well, don't just take my word for it. Cut back and clear out. In the noughties, the decade that we referred to as the noughties, in the US, the fastest growing industry was storage. Throughout the year 2001 through to the late part of the decade, the fastest growing industry in the US was storage. Then came the global financial crisis. And and it decimated that industry. It obviously decimated a lot of people's lives, but it caused people to recalibrate. But not only did it cause people to recalibrate, it actually caused people, this whole storage thing was just, was thrown front and centre as being possibly a little bit unnecessary. Or should I say the journey of overconsuming that leads us to need a storage unit to put stuff in that we don't actually use became, became a little bit front and centre and it, and it gave rise to a whole genre of television shows. I was in the US just after the, the global financial crisis. I actually stayed in one time um, while I was there in a, in a Roach Motel uh, just outside of Las Vegas And uh, next to me in the Roach Motel, it was $30 a night, right? Roaches got to stay for free. $30 a night and uh, $30 a night and and, uh, self-contained kitchen and all that sort of thing. Next to me in the the motel room next to me um, was a family of nine people there. And, And they were living there because they lost their house. And that was not an isolated um, story. But prior to that, this decade was about consumption and storage units became the fastest growing industry. Well, it gave rise to a television genre, uh, which I was first exposed to just after the GFC while I was in the US with the first show that I saw called Storage Wars. And when I first watched it, I gotta tell you, and this doesn't make, I'm not trying to deflect anything here. You can think about me what you want. But when I first started watching it, I thought to myself, like my buddy's son was watching it and I was like, this is the most ridiculous show I've ever seen in my life. People that just that'll make a living now of going around to storage containers and bidding and then opening it up sight unseen and, and flogging the contents and, and trying to make a living off that. What a daft concept. Well, after I'd watched the seventh consecutive episode, I, 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 I got the impression I was maybe a little hooked. And when I got back to, the, to, to Australia, I scanned the TV guide wondering if said television program had made its way here. Well, it hadn't, but it now has. Storage Wars. Then I found Auction Hunters. And I gotta tell you, if I didn't think my life was complete before, (laughs) when I discovered Auction Hunters, man, I tell you, just lock that box up, I'm done, I'm good. Tun Jones and Alan Hoff. And this is how the show opens. Every day in America, did you hear that by the way? And this isn't me throwing shade on Americans, I'm talking to us because we live in the Western culture as well. 
Every day in America, did, 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 I, did everyone hear that? Every day, every day, this is how the show opens. Every day in America, tens of thousands of abandoned storage units are put up for public auction. Now, a few of them are from deceased estates, but the majority of them are for people who got caught with their pants down during the global financial crisis. They'd overconsumed, they needed to put stuff in storage, and then they found themselves not only not being able to afford their homes anymore, but having to abandon the storage unit because they couldn't keep up the rental, monthly rental payments. They were actually paying somebody to store stuff they didn't use. I have friends with uh, multi-story homes, three-car garages, and they park their cars out in the driveway or against the curb because they don't have any room left in their three-car garage for their cars. By the way, if you're not convinced of the benefits of cutting back and clearing out, let me just throw a few super practical ones. Less stuff equals less cleaning. You're welcome. Less clutter equals less putting things away. Less stuff equals less need to organize. Oh, I just need to get more organized. Well, that's one approach. Or you could have less stuff and have less to actually need to organize. Less stuff means less stuff that'll break, that you need to repair or replace. Less stuff means less stuff to ensure. A few months ago, I watched the documentary, The True Cost. Has anyone, just out of curiosity, has anyone seen this on Netflix, The True Cost? Really? Is that nobody? Wow, okay, all right, okay. No, it's fine. It's, uh, really? No, it's not that. I'm just like, I thought maybe someone else would be, you know, Okay, well, I watched this uh, documentary. Oh, don't tell me you, I, I work. I never watch television. Buddhist. <laughs> um, this documentary, I watched it because, uh, because of the reviews I'd heard on it. And I, 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 can I uh, implore you, if you have Netflix, you could probably speak to Jordan May and he'll find some pirate Ill illegal website to download it for you if you need as well. But anyway, uh, did I say his name on the podcast? Um, <laughs> Mark, I told you that they're looking for me. Um, I know. Um, the, the premise of this documentary is, is, is it, dr it drills into the, the current fashion industry. And, and it drills into the, the, the current fashion industry's um, guiding premise. In fact, the, the, they've coined a phrase for it. It's called fast fashion. And, and here's where fast fashion, the idea comes from. There was a time when seasons in terms of fashion, there'd be kind of like maybe at most four seasons a year. But if you lived in Australia, it's kind of like two seasons a year. And, and so you would buy something or a few items, a few well-selected uh, items for the season and, and they would last you the season. And in fact, they'd probably last you again the same season the following year and the one after that. You'd buy some classic pieces, some well-made pieces, and you'd hold on to them. The problem with that approach for the fashion industry is you make one-time purchases and they don't get any more money out of you. So they've got to they've find ways to get more money out of you. 
So what they decided to do is they decided to, to truncate the length of the seasons. The seasons were no longer three months or six months, they started shrinking the length of the seasons. They do this through advertising, shrinking the length of the seasons to where they got the seasons at one point down to about a month each. Every month, the new seasons, fashions were released and, and we were told that we needed them. We needed them. And, but, but actually then, no, they truncated it further because if you can, if you can convince people that, that they need to upgrade their wardrobe every month, then maybe we can push it further using the same approach and bring it down to every three weeks or two weeks. And this is actually what's happening in the fashion industry. Now, there's a huge environmental cost to this. I don't have time to get into that. I wish I did. I could make a very, very, very compelling point about how God and what God has to say about our use of the environment and the fact that He says right back in the beginning when He created the earth, I give you to be the managers of it and I'd like you to manage it well and uh, we've left it to the tree huggers and the hippies and actually should be the Jesus followers, but I don't have time to go into all of that. So let me stay on topic here this morning. We have been warned by Jesus. Watch out, be on your guard against all types of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now we regularly clear out, cut back, clear out. We regularly clear out, I don't call it clear out, I call it editing. Just, Louis hasn't figured out what that means so she just lets me do it. Um, I'm editing, babe. Oh, okay, that sounds great. Video, music, I don't know. Um, and so, and so I, I consistently, we, consistently go through a house looking for stuff that we don't use. And if it's great quality and we know a friend that could do with it, could use it, and they don't necessarily have the financial means currently to, to, to upgrade to that, we'll give it to them. And it's not like, it's the good stuff. It's not the craps. Like these are our friends. These are people we, we care about. If it's not quite the best, best, um, eBay and Gumtree. I don't like Gumtree so much. It's a bit creepy. But eBay uh, became my best friend. And we just push and push and push stuff out. Just push it out. Go through the drawers. When you get home, go through the drawers and find the iPod that you bought in 2003 that you no longer use. You'll get 50 bucks for it on eBay. I'm telling you, it's, it's spare parts. People go crazy for that stuff. If you've got a push bike that you no, no longer ride and oh, I'm gonna ride it next summer. Did you ride it in the last seven summers? It might be time to think, maybe bike riding's not my shtick. Sell it. Push it out there. I, we lived in a house, uh, a, t a tiny house, and then, and then buy a new one from Foothill Cycles, official bike supplier to Elevate Church. But only if you're gonna use it. Um, anyway, <laughs> cut back, except for bikes. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm giving myself a whole pass on that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, Steve. We get rid of stuff. And if you're in debt, by the way, and you start selling stuff that you don't use, you can actually take that money and don't go out and spend it at the Crown Complex, go down and put it onto your debt. It's a true story. We did, we did that when we were clearing ourselves out of debt. And I'm gonna talk about our journey next week. So part of our process of paying down debt was editing, was selling, selling stuff, selling stuff that, that, that we're like, oh, do we need this? No, sell it. Um, and, and the whole Good Sammy's thing, 
just, to, just a heads up, most of what you donate to Good Sammy's ends up in landfill because they just don't have the, the, the resources to process it. And, and I'm just, that's for you to figure out whether you're gonna give to them or not. But friends and eBay and Gumtree, oh yeah, I sold a wheelbarrow. Yes, on Gumtree, I sold a wheelbarrow. It was given to me as a gift. We moved into a tiny house with no land. I didn't need a wheelbarrow. I sold it to somebody for 70 bucks. Yeah, they came to my house uh, in, a, in, a, in a small uh, sedan with a boot, which doesn't fit a wheelbarrow. And I used the one tool that I own, a monkey wrench. That's what they call it, right, Stewie? I guess I was the monkey. And uh, I'd, I'd somehow disassembled this wheelbarrow and, and shoved it all the pieces in her boot. And she said this to me, this isn't part of the message, this is just fun. She said to me, um, can, you, can you please not take the listing down until tomorrow? Because I'm gonna look at the photos so I can see how to put it back together again when I get home. As <laughs> Soon as she drove out the driveway, delete the ad. <laughs> not really. Now, next week, I'm gonna talk about paying off debt. I'm gonna talk about stress is bad. And by the way, uh, I'll come to that in a second. But here's what Pastor Mark is not saying. Ready? Just like we've got Jordan May's name on the podcast, I want this to go onto the podcast as well for illicit downloads. Uh, Sorry. Um, This is what I am not saying to you this morning. This is what the Bible does not teach us about stuff. The Bible does not teach us, and I am not saying that we shouldn't have any stuff. Nor does the Bible teach, and therefore nor am I saying that we shouldn't have some nice stuff. What I am saying is it's actually better to have some nice stuff that we own than an endless bunch of junk that ultimately owns us. It's good, hey? Tweet that. When you cut back and when you clear out It doesn't just free up storage space in your house. It doesn't just free up room in your bank account. It's this kind of magical additional benefit. You don't have, doesn't just mean that you can now clean less, but there's this other magical benefit. Is it, is it, and I'm probably talking about this more anecdotally than I can flip out a Bible passage for, but it it, it just seems to have this inherent benefit of, of just clearing out your soul. And, and maybe the best way I can explain it is just this difference between owning stuff and stuff owning you. The, the difference between living free of knowing what's wants and what's needs. And it's okay to have some wants, but don't be ruled by them and don't confuse them with needs. And ultimately this freedom of living according to how God teaches us to live, even if it's countercultural even if you're the weirdo in your friendship group. If you're the weirdo in your friendship group because you've cut back and cleared out, binge watch Tiny House Hunters, you will feel very normal very quickly. There's a growing tribe (laughs) and you can be part of it and it's not just you. 
The richest people aren't those people who have the most. The richest people in the world are those people who need the most. Again, it's why you travel to developing countries and they're much more happy than you are, much more content than you are. They're much more peaceful with life than you are oftentimes because they've asked the question, how much do we need? And in their case, they don't have a choice, but they've learned to live on less and appreciate the little that they have. Hey, uh, before we wrap up this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. And it might seem a little bit of a rubberneck to go from teaching about stuff to saying, come follow Jesus. But actually the, the biggest idea is that Jesus and following Him gives us our true north when it comes to everything in life, including money and stuff. And so this is right at the core of the question I'm asking right now is if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that right here, right now, before we leave. And I don't want you to miss that opportunity. So in a moment, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, I just want you to, to take that question seriously this morning. And I strongly encourage you to say yes, that you wanna follow Him from today. And by, I want you to raise your hand if that's you today, just really you're saying to God, that's me. I'm, I'm making that decision, just like you did in school. Me, I'm here, I'm making that decision today. And then you put your hand down, I'll pray for you from up the front, just standing here, I pray.